Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. Now I'd like to turn the meeting over to Clint. Uh, oh, right. Hi, I'm Clint. I'm alcoholic. Hi, I did not prepare at all. I have no fucking clue what I'm going to talk about, but I'll, whatever. Um, let's see here. So uh, I just got a year, uh, like last week. So I still have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. So just ignore the next ten minutes. Um, I don't know. I, I go to a lot of meetings. I have sponsees. I have a sponsor. I've read the big book. Blah, 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 blah. Um, basically, how it got started, one morning I woke up. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff before that, but I only got 10 minutes. One morning I woke up, and uh, I was dating, at the time, the girl in my dreams. Uh, she gave me a kiss goodbye, and she died 45 minutes later. Uh, she got hit by a drunk driver. Uh, she died instantly, and um, it changed my life forever. Literally, that moment was like the moment everything changed. Um, as soon as that happened, my drinking went from party drinking to drinking to cope with the pain. Uh, two weeks after that, my grandfather died. My grandfather was like a father to me. My family was pretty separated. and <clears throat> I mean, we lived together, but we were like roommates. So my, fa- my grandfather kind of stepped in most of my life and like cared for me and looked after me, and he died. And uh, I moved to Hawaii to, like, run away from all that and lived with family out there. And uh, it was cool. Um, when I lived in Hawaii, it was pretty much, like, the darkest time of my life. You know, I just, I basically lost my girlfriend my grandfather. I did try to commit suicide while I was out there. That didn't work. Um, apparently, a rifle has a sight on the end of it, and it doesn't quite fit in my mouth right. Um, so... Yeah, I, went, I, I did that. And for decades, like literally decades, I just drank and drank and drank and fucking immersed myself in bad behavior to like cope with the shit that I can't handle in life. Like I can't handle relationships. I can't handle telling the truth to people. I can't handle fucking um, being a friend to someone. I can't handle most things that most people do. Couldn't make my bed. Couldn't fucking pay my bills. Um, I just drank to like forget about everything all the time. And, and that's all I ever wanted to do. And um, a lot of you have heard me share before and like, you know, the gist of it is before I got into the rooms is like alcohol was basically like my shelter. You know, my life was like a shit storm of fucked up ideas and relationships and a bunch of bullshit stuff that I just... I created on my own, and in order to get rid of it, I used alcohol as a shelter to, like, hide myself from all that stuff, or, like, shut my brain down from how depressed and lonely I was and how miserable I was all the time. I was basically, I'm still, like, super depressed and miserable. (laughs) It's true. But, um, you know, I have alcohol anymore, but, like, when I had alcohol, that was the best. I could rely on it to, like, constantly take that shit away from me. It was 
awesome. I loved it. Um, you know, I've only got a year, so yeah, basically, I said this the other day, and I, I believe it to be true, I've only got a year, and for me, like, step one says we admitted we were alcoholics and our lives have become unmanageable. The only thing I've done in this year is teach myself how to not drink alcohol. All the other shit, I still need to work on. I still have all these things that I do on a daily basis that I need to work on, and that shit's going to be a long time. It's not going to change overnight. When you come into these doors as a newcomer, don't be don't be fooling yourself. All this stuff, it's not going to be fucking hunky-dory by the time you get through your first year. Shit sucks. <laughs> it's not easy. Like you'll have friends. That, you'll have friends that'll go back out. You'll have friends that'll die. You'll see people destroy their lives. You'll have friends that you used to party with that continue to fuck things up. But the beautiful thing that we have here in AA is if we rely on them and if we use these tools, we have tools before us that we can use to help us build our lives back together and maintain like sobriety um you know I like I said I use that first year to learn how to not drink I still lie to people I'll still fucking manipulate things I'll still tell you I love you and not mean it I'll still fucking try and be friends with you just to get my way I do that shit all the time I'll stand right here before everybody and tell you all that shit. It's totally true. But the thing I have that I can do for myself is try and use these steps to the best of my ability to try and change that behavior. I can't do it on my own. I have spent years and years and years, decades, trying to like do shit my way, and it doesn't fucking work. Now I have to come to meetings twice a day, and read. I fucking hate reading. I have to read this big ass book and like learn how to live like a normal human being or try to live. I hate that. But I, I know that I have to do it in order to change. And this program is the only thing I found that'll actually do that for me. Um, I'm not a very spiritual person, so I have I have struggled with the spiritual part. Um, but, you know, a, a sponsor, I've been through a few sponsors because I don't like people. So I've, I've been through a few sponsors, and, like, one of my sponsors, one of the best things he said to me was, like, fake it to make it, man. If you don't believe in God or you don't believe in, like, a higher power, fucking get on your knees and pray your hardwood floors in your Oakland apartment. I don't give a fuck what you do. Just fucking pray. You know what I mean? And, like, I, I do that stuff, and I don't even know what I'm praying to. Like, I thought I... When I first got in here, I was all pink cloudy, and I thought everything was fucking great. And I was like, oh, yeah, higher power, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I don't know what my higher power is, but I get down my knees, and I pray occasionally, and it works most times. Every single time I've prayed about something, it's usually worked itself out. But I have to practice that, and that's what this thing tells you all the time is, like, practicing these principles in all our affairs. And I don't do that on a daily basis, but when I do, things seem to work out a little bit better every time. Um, and I love and I love this fellowship, man. Like the fellowship, all the people that have been in here have said this like a billion times in the last two weeks, you know, like it says in the big book, it's, <clears throat> when it really gets down to the gist of it, it's not about the, you know, steps, and like it is about the steps, but it's the steps and the book and all that stuff, but like, Really, when it gets down to it, the nitty-gritty of this program is like one alcoholic 
helping another alcoholic. You're both going through the same thing, or you and many other people in this room or elsewhere are going through the same thing, and we're all here to help each other. And some of us have had fucking huge, crazy bottoms. You killed somebody, or you went to jail for 15 years, or you fucking blah, 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 blah. And some of us have had light bottoms. Oh, I just got drunk at a bar and felt bad about it, so I came to AA. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. If you feel like you have a problem with alcohol and it's controlling your life and, you, and your life has become unmanageable, guess what? This is where you're going to find the answer to most of your problems. If you figure out that you can do it, if you're willing to do what it takes to get through this, then you can do it. And I've... <clears throat> I, I decided the day I got in here, like, I have to be willing in order to make my life change. My life is not perfect today. I don't have everything I want. I do not have the friendships I want. I've basically fucked over every friend I've ever had. And if you become friends with me, just put a clock on the wall. <laughs> um, but basically, like, all I can do is really just try and practice and do these steps and work with a sponsor and work with other people and try and get better. And for me, like I said, it's going to be slow recovery. You know, they say, I've heard people say in these rooms that like, sometimes you're a newcomer for five years. I'm probably going to be a newcomer for like 10 years. <laughs> but if that's what it takes for me, then that's what it takes, you know? And um, I've really enjoyed my experience here, you know? I, like I said, I feel like the only thing I've done is accomplished is just not, I don't drink anymore, but like, <clears throat> I have people in these rooms that really care about me, and I really care about them, and it's like changed my whole life. My whole life I had relationships that didn't fucking matter. Nobody gave a shit about what I was doing, I didn't give a shit about you or anything that you were into or what you were about, I think I could care less. It was all about me all the time, 24 hours a day. But what I can do now is I can listen to other people's stories, go into different meetings, go to the Late Show, which is hugely entertaining, <laughs> and, and listen, and sit back and try to share my experience. Usually when I'm at a meeting, I say some really stupid shit, but maybe another douchebag like myself can hear what I have to say and be like, oh yeah, I relate to that douchebag. <laughs> it's true. And if I if I can help somebody like that, then great. And if you're if you're like the other great thing about this program is if you're like one hour sober, it doesn't fucking matter. There's two things that you're doing. You walked through the door, and you're helping me stay sober because I get to see you struggle through what you're going through and remind myself of where I came from. If you're a week sober, you can help somebody who has an hour sober. You can sit next to that person and be like, yeah, dude, when I first got here, this fucking made me blue. And I sit right here and I just fucking listen to that chick talk about her step work and fucking blah, blah, blah. Like, you can do that. But if you're like 15 years sober, you can help everybody that's less than you. It doesn't matter. Like, we're all here to help each other. Um, and that's the most wonderful thing about this program that I've really thoroughly enjoyed is it doesn't matter where you came from or what you've done blah 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 you're no different than anybody else we've all experienced all the same shit we're all fucking drunk we all have to sit in this room and listen to each other share our shit and it helps and like if we sit down and, and practice these steps and work with other people 
it's going to get better, but sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly, right? Um, so I'm going to shut up now, and I'll see you guys later. Now the meeting will be turned over to our main speaker, Mary. All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Mary and I'm not called. Get out from behind the table. I don't want to knock anything over. I share my last name with you because here at Alcoholics Anonymous we have a really clear level at which we maintain our personal anonymity. That would be the level of press, radio, film. I would prefer it if you don't twit or Facebook about me. Because um, <laughs> um, it's just not that serious. But what is serious is that AA needs to be available for anybody who needs it, you know, and, and that anonymity is important because sometimes people misjudge us, people don't understand what Alcoholics Anonymous is, and like, sitting here at the beginning of this meeting, like, I, I come to this meeting and the whole, like, thing where we introduce ourselves and then we say the names, it sounds like, like it's a crazy call, I'm like, oh my god, we are like a crazy call up in here, this is so bizarre, like, what is going on? This is freaky, man. Um, and the good news is that AA is not a cult. You know, it's not a cult. It's not a religion. I'm out of here. It's not. No, you have to stay. Says so. Says so in the rules. The cult rules say. Um, you know, and that's what's great about AA. You know, and, and my sobriety date is uh, November third, nineteen ninety-two. Um, my birthday is November sixth, nineteen seventy-three. And basically what that means is means I've been sober now for more than half of my lifetime, which freaks me out a lot um, because I'm an alcoholic, right? So, like, I sit down and I'm all like, I've messed something up in my life where I've, like, you know, done something stupid or said something smart or fucked something up or, like, told the CEO of my company that he was stupid and didn't know what he was doing. And I'm like, fuck, I'm failing. I'm sober, don't you know? I'm an AA, and I should have all the stuff figured out. Um, and I don't. What I do have, though, is the ability to go back to that situation and go, you know, I, I said something inappropriate, and I didn't mean that, and here's what I meant instead. And I've learned how to carry myself as a woman of dignity, honor, and um, And I talk a lot about being really, when I, when I give my pitch, I'm really scared that I will not describe myself as such a fuck up, right? When I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was 19 years old and I was scared, right? My nickname in my little town was Scary Mary, right? That was me. I was Scary Mary and I deserved it. It wasn't a fluke, right? It wasn't like, oh, cute. No, it was for real. Um, when I got, when, like, when I got to AA, they would like come and pick me up from my house, and they would take me to the meeting, and then they would stand next to me and hang out with me and maybe take me to fellowship and then take me back to my house. And for a long time, I thought that they were just being really nice to me, and that they were like, they liked me. And after a while, what I found out was that they were afraid I was going to do some property damage. <laughs> um, and I tell this story often, so I usually tell it a little bit later, but I'll tell it now. So um, where I got sober in this small town in northeastern Pennsylvania, most of the meetings were in like, these ancient churches, right? And they had like, the fire hoses all, you know, lined up and the fire axe in with the fire hoses. Um, and, you know, one day 
I, so I moved away. I moved to California. It was fantastic. And I went back to visit. And they handed me this fire axe, this, this axe handle, right? It had everybody's names in it and a bunch of stuff. And they handed this to me. I was like, what is this thing? Why are you handing this to me? And they're like, we have to tell you that when you were sober here, we took all the axes out of the churches. (laughs) Because we were afraid that you were going to fuck shit up. We were afraid that you were going to kill somebody. We were afraid that you were going to ruin it for AA. And I had this, you know, it was such a profound moment. Because, like, so they had had, I was the one that they had the secret group consciences about. Right? I was the one. I was the one that they had had all these meetings. Like, what are we going to do with this kid? She is going to fuck up AA for all of us. She's got to go. She can't be here. You know, and I had... You know, the reason that that's so important to me now is that I never knew. I never knew that those people were scared of me. I never knew that they resented me. I never knew that AA was, 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 was like that. You know, I never knew that. You know, I knew that they loved me. I knew that I belonged here. I knew that this was a safe place for me to be. And I remember that when I get on my high horse about some newcomer that's talking about something that I don't fucking agree with or, or something or something or I'm thinking I know something about something. And I remember that. I remember how important it was for me to be able to walk into those rooms and cuss and throw things around and, you know, tell them they were all fucking stupid and that I didn't, you know, have to listen to them and they didn't know anything about being teenaged and alcoholic and their old ass selves. So I didn't have to do any of that. Um, And they loved me. They loved me and they loved me still. You know, and, and that's the heart of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, that's what this stuff is about. You know, and, and I get to go back to that town and I get to say, you know, thank you. And I get to, to stand up with them and say, this is what Alcoholics Anonymous does. This is what happens. I have a life that is beyond my wildest dreams. I get to live in Oakland, California. That shit still is awesome to me. I'm like, that's cool. Right? Like, I call my, you know, my... The brother and sister live in Maine. I'm like, oh, it's what, minus five million? Cool. It's 60. You know, I have a sweater on. Thanks. You know, and that's not, that's not to say that they don't have amazing lives, but this is the life that I choose. You know, and when I got, when I got, you know, what it was like, what it was like is I woke up every day scared, confused, angry, and hurt. That's how I, that's what it was every day. I was like, you know, in the shower room, like, what was it like? It was like living in somebody else's skin all the time. And I didn't know how to walk and I didn't know how to talk and I didn't know what to do with my hands. And I didn't know how to stop this thing that ate at my chest and made me want to cry all the time. I didn't know what to do until I found alcohol. And then it didn't hurt so bad and it was okay and it was all right until alcohol stopped working for me, right? Until that that gnawing in my chest came back, even when I was drunk. You know, that that un that irritability in every situation and every moment of every day came back. It didn't go away no matter what I did. You know, and, and that's you know, that's a horrible feeling. Um, I talk my experience with alcohol is that alcohol saved my life. 
you know, when I got here, or when I started to drink um, on a daily basis when I was 11 years old, it made sense to me. You know, it was just the next right thing for me to do, and I had to do it. And if I hadn't have done that, I probably would have been, I probably would have, you know, killed myself by 12. Um, so I had that love affair with, with alcohol. It worked. It worked really well. And when it stopped working, it was devastating to me. I was confused and frustrated and scared, and I didn't know what to do, and nothing worked. And I was responsible for everything, and I had to figure it all out, and I didn't know what to do, and I didn't know where to go. And, you know, my mom said, why don't you try AA? And I said, uh, why not? AA. Uh, uh, Dylan on 90210 was getting sober, right? <laughs> so I said, okay. Why not? Do it. Um, you know, and I walked into I, I walked into to AA and it was not like 90210. <laughs> you know, in this small town in northeastern Pennsylvania where where, you know, <laughs> You know, so, so when there's a newcomer, they talk about the first three steps, and they talk about stuff. And, and one of the guys talked about like, his final DUI was on a riding lawnmower. <laughs> awesome. You know, and, and we had, you know, we had one-armed Jim, you know, we had, like, all these old people, and they talked about losing the farm, literally, and losing, you know, cars and losing all these things. And I was 19, and I had never had those things. I didn't know. I was like, who cares? Like, whatever. It was all this bizarre thing outside that was outside of me. And then um, Indian Helen talked about incomprehensible demoralization. And I knew that. I was like, oh, I have that one. That's the one I have. I, I have that. You know, my final, my final blackout was um, when we, my mom pulled the graphic, so like I was having a big, like, going away thing in Philly. Um, and we started at the, you know, had like the four seasons, I was all like shrank and fancy, and then like we moved over, we hotel hopped to a couple places, and then we were like drinking and doing cocaine with the drivers, like at the you know Holiday Inn, and and then I was like blacked out, and then we were kind of like in somehow we ended up in down down the shore, right? Which is you know where you go, this is awesome, um, and so I I have the experience where I'm like I, I'm you know coming to. And I'm standing up, right, and I'm like, what the fuck, right? It's a horrible feeling, right? It's that horrible feeling of coming out of a blackout, and you're, you're standing, and it's awake, and I'm, you know, shaking and crying because I don't know what's going on. And, you know, I look back behind me, you know, and this, this big, burly bouncer guy in this nice Armani suit is pushing me out of the Trump Towers, which is a very schwank place. And, and he has this look of disgust on his face, like I am some rampant animal that has just taken a piss on his million dollar carpet right and, and like I'm like I'm like about to go try and get back in and he's just shaking his head he's like you know mm -mm, not gonna happen you know and 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 I had a moment of clarity you know that that look that that man gave me it hit you know and I knew that I deserved it I knew that whatever it was that I did me in my I had a man's shirt on the dress shirt only and a shoe. Um, and it wasn't my shoe. 
and it wasn't my purse, and it wasn't anything, and it wasn't cute. It wasn't like the like you know, sexy next morning when you're wearing his shirt kind of thing. No, no, it wasn't like that. It was incomprehensible demoralization. Yeah, you know, it was April. It was cold. I got to walk across the boardwalk, you know, to the payphone. I still have them. Yeah, and I picked up the phone and I started making phone calls and, and nobody would take my collect call. Nobody would take my call. My mom wouldn't take the call. My boyfriend wouldn't take the call. Nobody nobody wanted to deal with my shenanigans anymore. They were done. Um, you know, so I convinced this cabbie to drive me back to Philly. It's about an hour and a half. It's not around the corner. Um, you know, and I got to my boyfriend's I got to my boyfriend's house and yeah, you know, rang the bell in my shirt on one o'clock on literally on Broad Street, right, again. And he came downstairs, and he looked at me, and he looked at the, the meter, and he pulled me out of the cab, and he, you know, uh, clocked me to the ground. He threw some money at the cabbie, kicked me three or four times, broke a couple ribs, dragged me upstairs to the apartment where he put me into the ER. And I tell that story because that was, that was like, so we moved away from there, you know, we moved up to northeastern Pennsylvania, and it was all great, you know, and, and I was, you know, not quite done, and that was what I wanted to go back to, right? That was the best, that was the best I could come up with. Oh, I got to get back to him. I got to get back to that life of drinking and using and, and you know, debauchery. You know, I got to get back to that because that's all I knew. You know, and I share that because my life isn't that anymore, you know, AA has changed me significantly. I am not the same little girl that was in that situation. Um, and that is nothing short of a miracle, right? Because that was what I wanted to go back to. That was my best idea. That was it. That was as good as I was going to do. And today, you know, I have, you know, I have material things that are amazing. But what I also have is the stuff inside of me. Right, I have, um, I have self worth, right, and self awareness, and I have joy, right. I have like, I have actual enthusiasm for my life. Like I get up and I give a shit, right. Like it's awesome, right. Like I get to go to the job I hate and <laughs> fuck it up, but I get to do that every day. And I get to, and, and I, and the most important thing that happened to me in AA, not the most, one of the most important things that has happened to me in Alcoholics Anonymous is this little phrase, and it goes something like this I don't have to. I don't have to drink anymore. And that wasn't the way it was when I got sober. I had to drink, I had no choice. No choice. I had to. Yeah, what am I going to do today? I'm going to do all this stuff. And then I would end up drunk every day because I didn't have that ability to say, I don't drink anymore. I don't drink because I'm alcoholic. And when I drink, I break out in things. It's the cliche, right? Like handcuffs and insane asylums and police cars and strange men's bed in my piss, right? Like, that's what happens. That's what happens to me. You know, it's not cute, and it's not funny, and it's incomprehensible demoralization, which means that I cannot comprehend how bad it is until I get sober. 
right? And that's what makes sobriety hard is, is for, for all my life I had, I had a buffer. And then I come to AA and that buffer, that buffer is gone, right? And I have to do this stuff that's impossible, like brush my hair, you know, or put on, you know, learn how to go to the laundromat or learn how to, you know, not say, fuck you, you fucking, fucking moron, <laughs> you know, as my greeting to my parents. Um, you know, the thing that I hold on to in Alcoholics Anonymous with all, with, with everything that I have is, is this idea of just don't quit. Just don't pick up the first drink no matter what, you know, and sometimes it's easy, you know, sometimes it's, it's cool. I'm like, I can go and I can do all this stuff and it's cool and it's not a problem. But sometimes like when I'm in Costco and they have the giant like pyramid of vodka and it's enough. I'm like, I'm, I'm over 21. I have an idea. I could buy all of that goddamn vodka. It'd be awesome. Right. I could do that. Um, it's a little harder, right? It's a little harder. It's a little harder to say, no, thank you. I don't drink. Or, you know, when I have a feeling, right? And for me, the way alcoholism works in my life is that I have a feeling and it is suddenly reality, right? Like, like, oh, she didn't say hello to me. I'm a piece of shit. Right, like how does that how does that transcend? Well, you know, that transcends because I have ideal I have I have less of a buffer, right? Because I am an alcoholic. I have this strange reaction to the world and its people. I am insanely sensitive to everybody and everything, and I have a warped sense of thinking that makes everything a little bit askew. The good news for me is that I come to Alcoholics Anonymous and they you know, say this thing. They say, why don't you do service, right? Service is a big part of my sobriety. And the reason that service works for me is that when I am helping you or I am doing some stupid fucking GSR shit or I am listening to you talk about, you know, the $14 in the treasury that we have to do something with again, right? Or why we can't have donuts or why we can't smoke outside or why we have to do this or that. When I am in that stupid business meeting thinking about how stupid all of you are, I am not thinking about how bad my life sucks. <laughs> that is the secret AA handshake. You're welcome, right? And that's why I do that shit, right? Because if it's the Mary show all the time, if it's me all the time, I'm going to drink again. It's just that simple. And, and even a half of a fucking lifetime later, it's still like that. When I am all caught in here trying to figure out, like, some, if I do this thing, then that thing will happen. And if maybe I just work the steps a little harder, I won't feel so bad. And I can just have that thing. It's too much me. It's too much me, right? And I pick up the phone and I go, how the fuck are you? What are you doing? Can I come over? Can Oh, you're having a thing? Great. You're having a moment? Let me be part of that moment. Let me stand with you and help, please, right? Because my shit is fucked, you know? And, and that's, 
you know, that's what we have here. It talks about that in the back of the book in a vision for you, right? I love that, right? The four, the four hideous uh, horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair, right? You know, when I have that, you know, when I have that, that stuff going on, it says that we have a substitute for alcohol, and it's the fellowship. It's us, you know, and that's what, that's what works for me when nothing else does. You know, it has been essentially important to learn how to, to live, right? And that's what I get from the 12 steps, right? I sit down with my sponsor and I talk about, you know, I talk about what this shit means to me. I talk about, you know, what is the foundation that I'm building? I talk about my principles. I talk about what it is I want to be when I grow up. You know, what am I standing for? You know, what does honesty mean to me? What does it mean, you know, to have courage? What does it mean to be vigilant? What does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to be a, a woman of hope? You know, and, and, and I talk about these things because I have to know at least kind of where I'm going, right? I know where I've been. I know where I am, and I, I have to know where I'm going. I have to know what the principles are that I'm carrying into every situation. And that's how I get to be happy, joyous, and free, even in a fucking shitstorm, even when, when the fucking floor has fallen out and it is fucking time to drink. Right, because there have been a lot of there have been a lot of things that have happened in my sobriety that it's time to drink, you know, and a lot of those things are because I have actually, point of fact, fucked it off, you know, and it is time to drink. But because I have shown up here and I have been willing to stand in front of that rigorous self honesty and go, yeah, you know, that's a problem and that hurts, you know, and I and when that hurts, I act like a fucking bitch, you know, and then things go wrong. You know, and I learned how to go, you know what? I am a fucking bitch. I am very sorry. Here's what I can do to help you. Here's, here's what I did. You know, I'm going to claim responsibility for my actions in this situation, and I'm going to show you what I can do. Or I can say, I don't know what to do. That's a big, impossible thing for me to say. I don't know. I'm sorry, and I don't know how to make it better. You know, that's that's an impossible thing that I've learned how to do here in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you know, if you're new or relatively new, you know, do it. Do it all the way, you know. If you're, if you're here and you're AA and you think that AA sucks, get a sponsor. Talk to me about how bad AA sucks, because we can talk about that. I fucking, I fucking hate AA sometimes, man. Oh! Right? Do whatever it fucking takes. Right? To not have to pick up that first drink. I promise, I promise that it will be okay. I promise even more than that, that it is going to get better. I promise that I am not any more spiritually fit or special than anybody else in this room. And if I can be happy, you can be happy because I am a miserable fuck. <laughs> I hate, I hate people. I hate them, right? And if I can be okay, you can. And that's the promise of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's why I show up. And that's why I say, yes, of course, on Saturday night, I would love to come out and talk to all of you really beautiful people instead of going on a date. 
Um, <laughs> you know, or I, or I pick up the phone in the middle of the night. Um, I'm going to end. Am I going to end? No. No? I have 15 more minutes? Jesus Christ. All right. All right. All right. We're going to tell some AA stories now. So I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, so this is what AA does for, for, has done for me. So it was a couple years ago. I was sitting in my car. I was sobbing. Right, hysterical. There was probably some sappy song that came on. <laughs> Sobbing, like nobody loves me. I am, I am worthless. Right. I think I'd probably just come from Monday night, you know, and like all the hip kids had gone off somewhere, and I didn't know where they went. I wasn't invited, and <laughs> nobody fucking loves me. Right. And I, you know, all this, all this work that I do for AA and Monday night doesn't mean anything. And don't they know who I am? And no, they don't know who I am. I am just, you know, unseen. I have made no difference to anybody ever. And, and this feeling was truth for me in that moment, like hardcore, like in, like, this is bad, right? Like, this is not okay here. You know, and my, my phone rings and I'm like, and it's, you know, this crazy number. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like zero one one four one one. And I'm like, all right. So I pick it up and it's my friend Annie calling from London. She had been my sponsor through, or I had been her sponsor through some crazy shit. Oh, it was crazy and it was intense and it was real and it was life threatening and it was drama. You know, it was all intensive and, and it was, an amazing experience, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so she got through all that and moved to London and she was calling me and she was like, she's like, hi, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> how are you? She's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. And she's like, she's like, I was just calling to tell you to say thank you. I was like, oh no, you don't have to thank me. You know, it's God and the steps and AA. And she's like, shut up. She's like, that is such, you know, she's like, that's great, but that's not what I'm calling to say to you. I'm calling to say thank you to you because you were the one who walked into hell for me. You were the one who carried me out on your back. You and only you could have done it. No other person could have done it for me. I couldn't have heard anybody else's voice except for yours. And you, Mary, are the one that made the difference in my life. You saved my life. You know, and I get goosebumps telling that story and I get choked up because that's what AA is about. You know, and that is that truth. Those are those moments of clarity and those are those moments when God shows up when I can't do it. And it was that, you know, that was a moment I, I can no longer play the self-pity card anymore. <laughs> like, fuck you, Annie. Thank you. Um, right because it's undeniable right it's undeniable that I make a difference today and that is a miracle right because when I got here that wasn't happening right nobody was taking my calls I might have made differences in people's lives but it was not like that it wasn't for the better 
It wasn't for any kind of goodness. It was for, oh, God, thank God. Thank God your daughter's not like my daughter. It was like, oh, thank God you're not crazy like Mary. That was the difference that I was making in the world. You know, today I make this difference where I touch people, and it's a little bit okay, you know, because, you know, because we got to be in that moment. You know, and I've gotten to do that. You know, I've gotten to walk into hell a bunch of different times in Alcoholics Anonymous for a lot of people, and it is it is a, an honor and a pleasure that I do with as much grace and dignity as I can because that's how I get that grace and dignity. You know, I don't regret my past because every fucked off thing that I have done gives me that ability to stand in hell and go, yeah, I get it. I get, <laughs> I get that you stole his mail and read it and then sold it back to his mom. I get that, right? I get that. (laughs) You know, I get that you hacked into his email and sent off some fucked up thing. I get that, you know? I understand that. I cannot and try not to stand in judgment of anybody because I have been there. And the best and most important thing that I can do is say, how can I help you? And most times all I can do is stand there with you and go, I'll hold your hand. You know, and I forget, I forget how important that simple human thing is. You know, and, and in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, people, people ask me, like, well, what do you do for fun? Like, what are your hobbies? And I'm like, like normal people. And I want to be like, my fucking hobby is saving people's lives. <laughs> right? Whatever. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Just do that in my spare time. It's cool. <laughs> but that's that's what we do here, you know. That's and that's like I forget that, you know. I forget when I am all immersed in my, you know, my my pain and my I'm not getting what I need and I should have something and I have a uh, and I want to drink because it fucking hurts, right? I forget the enormity of what we're doing right now. You know, and I'm so grateful that I got to stay in AA long enough to get it. You know, long enough to get that that simple text message saying, hey, I fucking love you, is going to is gonna change that person's life. Maybe not, you know, profoundly, but maybe. You know, maybe today is the day that, you know, I say to that person, like, hey, you know what, I don't really like the way you're treating me. Could you please stop? Maybe that is going to, you know, change that person's life. You know, maybe being able to, you know, have a loving boundary or be able to, to taper my fucking opinion with, you know, with, with kindness will make a difference. You know, and, and whether or not, whether or not I make a difference for anybody else, the most profound thing that happens is that I make a difference for myself today. You know, I, I am at peace alone. And that was a miracle. Like, I couldn't do that. Like, I, w- I couldn't do that literally. Even for years into to sobriety, I couldn't be alone. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't stop. I had to do, and I had to do, and I had to do, and I had to be, and don't you know, and don't you know. You know, and today, I get to be still. You know, and I get to smile. And I get to, oh, God, I, I get to tell bad jokes, right? Here's this week's bad joke. I think some of you probably heard it. I got off the Internet. Why can't the bicycle stand up? He's too tired. <laughs> right? Right? 
You know, the ability to laugh, right? The ability to just not take it so damn personally, you know, and not take it so seriously. That's what I get from these steps, right? I get the ability to take my inventory and see what I really am, right? I get to take that and say, this is, this is what I'm doing with, and then I get to learn to become what I want to be, and I get to wait until God fixes it. I don't have to fix it anymore. I'm not broken or damaged or, or fucked up anymore. I'm exactly where I need to be, and it is going to be okay. Um, I am now going to end because it is actually my time. Um, please, please don't drink. Please don't. There is, there is nothing that a drink is not going to make worse, you know, there are a million things that we can do to make it a little bit better or make it a little bit manageable. And if you can't drink for a day, drink for, don't drink for a minute. Don't drink for an hour. Call somebody. Use AA. This shit works. I guarantee it. I promise. I promise it will get better. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.